welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time And to heart, man, what have you been up to lately? Man, dude, I've been reading this biography of Karl Barth by this German woman. I think it's Christiane Tietz. I'm probably saying that entirely wrong, but I haven't been a voracious reader since COVID started, but I have been unable to put this book down. It is awesome. Wow. Well, is I it more, more like, but I feel like a poor people. <laughs> is it like an intellectual biography or is it like he did this, then he did that, you know, or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit more of an intellectual biography, but it is, it, I mean, it definitely talks about his life. This is what was written in German, published a couple of years ago, was just, just published in English uh, late last year. And this is the one that talks about the unfortunate stuff that many of us didn't know about until very recently, but about his kind of, double life with his marriage to Nelly, but also his kind of live in secretary um, who was more than a secretary. So it gets into some of, I guess you might call his moral failure. The, the subtitle is a life in conflict, which is kind of nice. because It talks about essentially his life in conflict theologically with other theologians, which is what we love him for. And then here, um, you know, the, the, premier 20th century theologian who lived a life of steadfast infidelity, which is you know, very problematic. Um, and you know, that, that, that part does temper you and, 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 and it does problematize my you know, love for his theology, I guess, on some level. Um, but that's the book. Isn't just that it's not Primarily like a hit job. That. Yeah. Um, it really, it's helpful for, I mean, you know, I've been in this theology game for a long time, but you know, actually getting into the nitty gritty of what Karl Barth was about, what dialectical theology is, et cetera. I, I still, even having read it, I'm like, oh, I'm not even sure I know what that means, but yeah, uh, I could get it right on a like multiple a choice thing. on a multiple choice test. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But an essay, no, no way. Yeah. <laughs> but for anyone like even remotely interested in that, which is probably a few of you, it's a, uh, it's a very stimulating read or biographies to me that are dry as dust or focus on like the early family so much that I'm bored by yeah, page, who cares? Like 60. Yeah. But this one is, uh, yeah, I can't put it down. Wow. What about you, man? What have you been up to? Well, uh, I feel like I'm still recovering a little bit. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I were in Austin, my wife and I, and, and me, my wife, my wife and I, see, my wife and I. yeah, I, and our daughter were in um, Austin this last weekend for a wedding. Uh, and we were there three nights, saw a bunch of people from our old church, um, had a ton of fun, just getting old, man, you know, traveling with the kid, being up late three nights in a row. We, uh, after the wedding on Saturday, we went to, did some karaoke and I, uh, went pretty hard, uh, inter Sandman, my stand in and, uh, standby. And, um, I think my voice is like, I'm like, do I have COVID or did I just go super hard doing karaoke? Like I couldn't talk for like a day and a half. I still feel like my voice is a little weird. Um, but 
It was very, very fun. Uh, maybe some listeners, this podcast that I, that I saw over the weekend. So that was a real gift. Um, but now I'm back, back in Raleigh, head to the grindstone, trying to get a budget approved by our elders council vestry. And, uh, you know, just in it, man. Just, just the ordinary, the remarkable ordinary. The remarkable I did hear, ordinary. I did hear from a friend of the pod that uh, you guys jammed out to some Limp Biscuit to throw back to a previous episode. Uh, yeah, we did Faith. Um, but I don't know that many. I guess I know the words, but I don't know. There's some other Limp songs I probably know a little bit more. But um, yeah, we did Dancing in the Dark, too. I also didn't know a lot of those words. Uh, but, you know, I love karaoke, man. When you're in the right mode, so kar- karaoke is the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be my wedding after party for sure. That's good, man. Well, uh, the Psalms appointed for this Sunday, uh, two Psalms, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. I think it's actually like one Psalm in the Hebrew Bible. I think it was made into two later, but regardless, we're just going to do Psalm 43 because um, I don't think people will care if it's a shorter Psalm. So the Psalm 43 goes like this. Give judgment for me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. Deliver me from the deceitful and the wicked, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you put me from you? Why do I go so heavily while the enemy oppresses me? Send out your light and your truth, that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling, that I may go to the altar of God, to the God of my joy and gladness. And on the harp, I will give thanks to you, O God, my God. Why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to him, who is the help of my countenance and my God. Ben, you are the help of my countenance. How, um, how do you want to think about this Psalm 43? Yeah, well, I thought I'd start off by, I read this anecdote recently about um, the struggle in Darfur from, from a little while ago and how this one Christian who essentially, I mean, got his land stolen from him, but, um, you know, with a, with a, an iron was placed on, you know, essentially all over his body, a red hot iron. And so he was cast off his land and he was on this hundred mile journey from Darfur to Chad. Um, and then he just kind of talks about how, you know, his life was all dark. His life was taken from him. He said, and that made me think of, honestly, this psalm. After I read it, I thought right back to the article. But it just like in this psalm and the one pr- previous, which maybe once were one psalm, but it's all about how the darkness. Um, this psalm gets to like kind of a conclusion, gets somewhere. But then also sort of not, um, you know, even in verse five, why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Verse one, give judgment for me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. Uh, Again, like a lot of the Psalms we've been talking about, there are real enemies there, real enemies who oppress. Um, Life is not all just happiness. There aren't always happy endings. And while even in this Psalm, it sounds like we're about to get to that happy ending, right? Because if you're familiar with evening prayer at all, we, we say, send out your light and your truth that they may lead me. And it looks like it's, you know, we're getting to the altar of God joy and gladness is there but then right right back again we're to well but in the heat that's an eschatological reality but right now i'm i'm full i'm full of heaviness um disquieted anything yeah pop out to you before we keep going yeah 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 i mean uh that's a cool i mean not a cool story but that's a that's a wild story um i mean i think on the on you know reading it 
thinking a little bit about the the podcast i mean i think it's the way that the writer is in some ways like pretty audaciously asking god for help um I found that in, in, I think, in an encouraging way, like a, a reminder, like a bracing reminder that our our seasons of anguish, our our challenge, you know, are sometimes like there might be a place at times to kind of like war against that prayerfully and to really ask God for help and assistance in a way that like is maybe at least speaking personally, like I don't, I I tend to think if something is going wrong or if I'm feeling heavy or disquieted. Like I locate the failures in my own soul internally and just think, well, I must be doing something that is causing this. Ergo, like I should grin and bear it, you know? Whereas the psalmist is much more like bold to say, is not in some ways interrogating the the disquietness or the heaviness as much as he's like asking for relief or solace. And I don't know if that's always my first reflex. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, yeah. So you're saying like... uh... I'm in this predicament because I put myself here. Yeah. I deserve exactly. it. I got to exactly. go down with the ship less. Yeah. So like, I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> Be the bomb for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah. or just like, uh, and I mean, and, and this is uh, not a good thing, but like, if I find myself in a bad mood, just to speak very like, you know, like everyday language, it's like, okay, I'm just, just in a bad mood today. Other people are going to have to deal with that <laughs> versus more like I'm disquieted. My, my soul is heavy. So I'm going to engage with God in such a way that I might find relief or solace and not just make other people bear the brunt of my bad mood. Right. I just, yeah. I mean, I don't always necessarily engage with God in that kind of therapeutic way. And I mean that in a positive sense, like as a kind of present tense help in time of trouble. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's good. Yeah. I find it challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Now I was, I was reading a few commentaries on this and they, uh, I thought this was interesting. Um, but in verse four, he says that I may go to the altar of God, uh, to the God of my joy and my gladness. And essentially what he's saying is, you know, uh, people are preventing me from being able to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the place most proximate to God, the place where we worship. And, and this commentator pointed out that, uh, whereas for our churches on Sundays, we go you know, f- for an hour once a week, but the temple in Jerusalem is not, you know, there's, there are constant sacrifices happening. There's constant worship happening. Um, and he kind of brought in this whole, like, this is a prayer for more than like, can I go to church once a week? It's, I want to be close to God. I mm-hmm. want to be where worship is happening. And uh, yeah, this, these ungodly people, this enemy is essentially keeping me from uh, closeness to God, which I, yeah, I thought that was kind of like, yeah, I, I don't really think about when I read about Jerusalem or, you know, the, the Psalms of ascent to the temple is this place of perpetual worship, this proximity to God. Um I do probably think of it as an hour a week on a Sunday. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm uh, preaching this week. It's I'm not on the lectionary on <laughs> uh, Jesus. And at the, at the conclusion in John 7, at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, where he says, you know, anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his, from within him will flow rivers of living water or whatever. So I was doing a little bit of work on uh, the Feast of Tabernacles and what that would have been like. And it is exactly your point. You know, it was this seven day festival 
where there was revelry oftentimes all night, you know, of singing and dancing and trumpets. And there's this great quote contemporary of, from the New Testament. He that has never seen the, the joy of the water drawing, which was part of the festival, has never in his life seen joy. Um, and yeah, just think about that, that kind of uh, like joy with every fiber of your being, you know, I don't know if that's oftentimes what people associate like the 75 minutes that we spend in church one day a week, but that uh, going to the altar of God to the God of my joy and gladness. That's such a, a like life affirming picture of worship that is yeah beautiful. Yeah, I think it gives a, a lot more meaning to why are you so full of heaviness on my soul? It's just uh, this, this joy, this happiness, this mm. uh, revelry he mm. has been cut off from. Um, and that's mm. why he's heavy. He wants to be close to God. He wants to be close to where the party um, is going on. And yeah, I don't really think about worship too much like that in my life. It's, yeah, it's a lot of times it's kind of a duty or it's like... Um, and it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's, uh, mm. it's, but I, yeah, worship is revelry. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a book title waiting to happen. That is, that's cool, man. I mean, that to me is so attractive. It's so, I mean, maybe it's like my personality coming out, you know, my uh, desire to, um, karaoke to Metallica, but, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we see the, the fastest growing segment of the Christian church worldwide is the Pentecostal charismatic church, which mm. not always, but tends to at least generalization speaking uh, tends to be a little bit more of a party in the presence of God. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure some, some of us could, uh, could do well to learn from. Yeah. I mean, Ben, is there ever a world where you could imagine in your own, however you would speak in your own, you know, language of your own heart, but like verse five, you know, why are you so full of heaviness on my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? put your trust in God, that way of kind of talking to yourself, you know, not just like listening to your own heaviness or kind of taking stock of your own disquietedness, but really taking it and trying to kind of do some judo and turn it into joy or help. Like, could you, and, mm -hmm. I, and I, I'm asking that question because I don't know how I would answer it, you know, like what, I don't yeah, know, yeah. that kind of. Yeah, no, for all of my, you know, self-reflectiveness i i'm definitely on the hamster wheel of my own anxiety or or fear or or you fill in the blank and uh, i don't know if this is like essentially the psalmist is you know doing what meditation i guess is supposed to help us do like help us to to see that thought and you know not judge it and well maybe he is judging it here but essentially getting outside of stepping off the hamster wheel and saying okay well like what am I going to do about this? Yeah, I've yeah. analyzed it to death. I'm paralyzed by my analysis. All I can do now is trust yeah. and pray. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't do that often. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at, I suppose, is what is a pastorally sensitive way of dealing with like what Martin Lloyd-Jones called spiritual depression, um, what we would probably just call anxiety, <laughs> you know, like yeah. a, a pastorally sensitive way of of analyzing it, like in the good Ignatian non-judgmental way, which I feel like in the world that I'm in, people are, are very good at, or at least like talk about a lot, you know, but is there a pastorally sensitive way to kind of turn the frown upside down, you know, cause I think there has been, and I think in helpful ways, like a good pushback against that, like churches are always supposed to be happy. You know, I think like the, the capacity to lament and to narrate, mistakes or evil tragedy and 
in the presence of God and not force everything into the right kind of smiley face conclusion. Like, I think that's been a very good corrective, broadly speaking, right. in churches like that I've been a part of. But, and the Bible obviously talks about that. There's a lot of Psalms that in and lament. But there's also a lot of Psalms that are like this, which is like, don't be so full of heaviness. Don't be so disquieted. Put your trust in God. Mm -hmm. So like, what is a good pastorally sensitive way to, for your own soul to say like, okay, I'm heavy, I'm disquieted, but I don't, I shouldn't be, I should be joyful and vibrant in the presence of my God, the help of my countenance and my God. That would be a very interesting like question to try and figure out. I don't have an answer for that, but I do remember way back in seminary reading, um, I had already kind of been all in on Eugene Peterson. So I think I had OD'd, but in our, one of our pastoral theology classes, they assigned a book by him. And I remember, I don't remember the title of the book, but I remember him saying, it was essentially a book to pastors about how to pastor and him saying that when people come to you with the same sadness or the same problem or the same depression, um, you do need to, you can't let them sit there forever. You do have to kind of guide them. And I remember at the time being like very much uh, leaning into what you just talked about, how leaning into my whole like, yeah, we need to uh, allow ourselves to be depressed or lament or this and that. So I, I kind of, I remember that time being like, oh, like Peterson, what are you saying here? But now um, you saying it like that and, and, and me being you know pastor for 10 years, not that I know what I'm doing. But there, you, you do have people who you look after who obviously you don't, you can't make a project or something like that, but right, right. Uh, where, and you, ha- I mean, they say the same thing over and over again. And you're, you're asking at this point, like, have I heard you? Is there something totally that I yeah. haven't heard? But then there is just like this, <laughs> man, like, and I'm prone to it too, is I'm really not judging someone else, just wallow um, or, you know, self pity or something mm. like that. But, I don't know. Part of the good news of the gospel is that I'm not going to stay there forever. And ideally I, I won't be there <laughs> tomorrow. Right, um, right. But yeah, right. I don't know how, like what's that a blueprint or a play-by-play for that. Do you, you have something that's. No, yeah, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't. That was not a leading question. Like no, I, no. I think I just, I, I genuinely don't exactly know how to do that because of course, yeah, the, the, um, the law speak in mockingbird terms like if people hear the law that oftentimes does not lead doesn't lead to life you know so it doesn't necessarily engender the capacity saying thou shalt be joyful does not engender the capacity to be joyful um but i think if you if you don't but you know like i think what we're just doing is reckoning with the bible as it is (laughs) and what you know as it is here is something that's a little bit more different than just you know and like what do we want to like i mean maybe we've been too flippant about it, but um, mocking like books that are all about lament and, and, and being in lament for you know years at a time. Uh, because I mean, part of it's like, sure, if that's a reality, if grief is where you're at and I've been there, you can't just snap out of it. But I also don't like, even like my darkest moments, like when I was in the thick of it, at least at the beginning, it was like, get me out of here. Mm. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, when you wallow in it, that's like this kind of despair that's also unhelpful. So yeah. I don't know if any, but I just did something there, but no. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I would think that uh, the most attractive thing you could possibly be would be someone who can deal 
well with grief and sadness and disquietedness, but also come out the other side in a very mm. human way. Um, I think that like walking with a limp, you know, like Jacob, uh, I think that I'm not saying I'm that I'm saying that to me, it sounds like that's the platonic ideal, (laughs) you know, like that's what, uh, to be able to put my trust in God is here. the help of my, I mean, that's the, it's a really interesting, it's a very interesting way of, of, of naming God. God is the help of my countenance. Countenance is just your face, right? You're, you know, like, so that to say that God is the help of my countenance. I mean, imagine, just imagine being in a, a small group or some, some, you know, Christian thing and someone prays and in, in, in their own language, say something like that, you know, God is the help of my countenance. Like that is uh like, uh, I don't know what Psalm it is, but Psalm, I think it's in the thirties. <laughs> Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame that like, Oh yeah, God, when I look to you, I should be radiant or make our faces mm-hmm. radiant. That that's a, that's a cool yeah. prayer. Like yeah. Moses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's uh, it's powerful stuff, man. That's a great apologetic. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's wrap it up by saying it again. Give judgment for me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. Deliver me from the deceitful and the wicked, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you put me from you? And why do I go so heavily while the enemy oppresses me? Send out your light and your truth, that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling, that I may go to the altar of God, to the God of my joy and gladness. And on the harp, I will give thanks to you, O God, my God. Why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to him, who is the help of my countenance and my God. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.